We're here for another Gwintelligence podcast, and it's the best kind of podcast, the kind where Marver is not here. Uh, and we're even on location at a brewery for this episode at uh, Luxurious 32 North in Miramar with a special guest, uh, local podcaster and celebrity, John Gennaro. Not a celebrity at all, um, but I am thrilled to be here because uh, for a long time I've thought that your voice sounds very similar to my own. So I'm hoping that with the two of us talking together and no Marver, that no one will be able to discern who's actually talking in this <laughs> podcast. We, we've been called audio doppelgangers, I think, by by listeners, right? Uh, I know by me. I don't know if yeah. any listeners actually agreed. Um, I don't, you're a celebrity. You know, our podcast doesn't have t-shirts for it. <laughs> I don't know if there's any t- Well, I guess there, there was the Keep the Padres Weird t-shirts. Exactly. Those are fun. There's the uh, two Make the Padres Great Again hats that I had made for Craig and I. Um, I do get noticed from time to time. I, I got a free car wash. Uh, not a free car wash, an upgraded car wash a couple months ago <laughs> from some guy who, who recognized me. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I guess celebrity is, is a, an appropriate word, but it always makes me very uncomfortable. I, I know you do seem uncomfortable. Like you started this Patreon to get people to support. Your really podcast. uncomfortable with the Patreon. I don't know why you're so uncomfortable about it. Uh, number one, um, I really don't have time in my life to do another thing, <laughs> and I definitely don't have time in my life to do another thing well. So I feel like it's just going to be all garbage. Um, but on top of that, it's just look. I've been podcasting for years now, and I've never once asked anyone for money. And the reason for that is I feel really weird being a shill and asking for money. And, like, I, I, I normally podcast during business hours when I'm like, well, I'm getting paid by the Mighty 1090, so I don't need to get paid in addition. But, yeah, I just, it, you know, you were actually the one when I, I put on Twitter that I was thinking about starting a Patreon. You were like, you should do it. Just try it. See how it is. And now I'm trying it. But, it, yeah, it just it makes me slightly uncomfortable that people are – uh, so interested in the words that I have to say that they're willing to spend money on it. Like, that's even, that's a step beyond radio. You don't have to spend money to listen to Darren Smith. You don't have to spend money to listen to, to Scott Kaplan or Dan Cilio or Nick Hardwick or anybody else. So the fact that I'm saying, hey, you need to spend money to hear my thoughts is just very awkward. Well, I hope that helicopter gets yeah, way louder. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to fly right over us. It's okay, it's the sound of liberty. It's good. It, <laughs> is, it is literally flying directly over us. It's actually a V-22 Osprey. But, uh, Which, I'll tell a funny story about that. While it's being super loud, so everyone can hear it. Um, my father-in-law is actually a, a former pilot. He, uh, he And he was a teacher at the Miramar Top Gun School, right? And... At one point, I tried to make a joke about the Osprey, like making fun of the fact that it's basically half a helicopter, half an airplane, and he got very upset with me because apparently Ospreys are quote-unquote awesome and could kick your ass. <laughs> so uh, Ospreys are awesome. They are kind of awesome. I'm, I'm pretty happy that that flew over during the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think on your Patreon, like, you're putting out good work. You've been doing it for a long time, and why not get paid for it like and the thing is you've got people supporting you you're up to like 60 plus dollars right now per month it's not nothing i'm no uh i'm no cantorian woods <laughs> who got up over like 500 dollars in like a week hey here's a secret i supported them also with their patreon so did I. and uh got zero call outs on their on their podcast <laughs> so you're already way ahead of that that slug woods <laughs> i did give you a call out on the podcast already i just need to call out everybody else um 
Well, I have a few topics here. For once, I've actually created a show sheet, which uh, Lazy Marver never does for our podcast. Um, I I, thought- can I tell you, I, I <laughs> bought Marver a drink like shortly after his 21st birthday. was really happy about it. He's... For as big a dick as he is on Twitter, he's actually, like, a genuinely nice person. Yeah. I, I never, like, felt bad about the fact that I hired him for Bolts in the Blue. Like, Marvers is... Uh, I, I guess Scott Kaplan would be a good comparison of, like, a guy <laughs> that everyone knows is... He, he's kind of a dick online, but no one knows that he's, like, a really nice person in real life. Yeah, Marver... Marver... Mar, well, I don't know. He's kind of a dick. He, we can agree he's a kind of a dick. But, uh, yeah... Nice guy, I guess. Yeah. Not a contributor to this blog or any of the endeavors of Quintelligence.com, but he's, he's a he's, fairly nice guy. He's very busy ripping off this generation <laughs> by contributing to credit cards. You know what? He talks like he's an investment banker. He works in the fraud department. He's, yeah. You know, let's not, let's not, uh, we don't oh, need a feather We're, gonna, we're getting off track. Here, should, yeah. This is a Padres podcast, after all. <laughs> not a dickhead podcast. Poor, poor Tony Glenn would be so ashamed <laughs> right now. Um... I listened to your episode yesterday. I thought it was really interesting. Um, well, I listened to all of your episodes. Thank um, you. I think, um, I guess my first, like, general topic is, is like, casual fans. Because I think you guys kind of touched on it. You guys spent a lot of time yesterday, you know, obviously the Padres are in a, a rebuild. Sorry, I, I think the new term I've picked up from the Fowler interviews is it's a developmental year. Or from Peter Seidler, it's not a rebuild, it's a build. Yes, yes. Is he using that still? I thought he'd switched over to developmental also. He may have. I always thought the don't use rebuild, it's a build is really funny <laughs> because, I mean, think about it. If you're building, like, let's say you're, okay, you, there's a house, right? And it's a, it's a piece of garbage house. Actually, I live right next door to a piece of garbage house <laughs> that is being completely gutted and rebuilt, which I love because it's improving my property value. Uh, but what I don't live next to is a piece of dirt land that's being built upon, which is what Peter Seidler is claiming is happening, which I, this is the thing that I always criticize the Spanos for with the Chargers, is just a, a complete ignoring of everything that came before. And so Peter Seidler is like, no, 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 it's not a rebuild, it's a build. Well, that the insinuation there is that there was nothing to begin with. Right. And we're starting from scratch. That's not, you're not an expansion team. I'm sorry. You're I mean, not an expansion they, they team. They literally traded pieces to rebuild. It's yes. like when you tear down the, the you know the studs of a, of a broken down old house. I like, mean, it's 2010 was not that long ago. They're trying to rebuild to get some of the whatever magic they had in 2010. And then maybe some of the magic that they had in 1998. Right. Yeah. Well, I think the code word now is developmental. That's what I've gathered. Developmental. So. I like it. <laughs> um, I think... I think you guys did a good job of covering like, um, our, like casual fans. Like they're they're expecting too much, aren't they? Like you go onto the Padres Facebook. Facebook's obviously the worst uh, grouping the, of social media. Well, YouTube, but face, yeah, Facebook's yeah. a very close. Second. Like really bad. Like yeah. I don't know if you've ever looked at like a Padres post on Facebook. I have not. It's followed by just the lowest IQ, dumbest group of people. Well, no, and, no, no. It's okay. So. You describe them properly. They're casual fans. And what that means is they're, they're willing to give a very small portion of their life and their time to following the Padres, which means they're not going to spend any time learning, understanding, or caring about the plan or the process. Right. It's very much wins and losses. I was thinking about this today while I was driving into work. A lot of people follow sports just so that they can small talk about sports. 
And, you know, there's a lot of games I go to and I leave the game. People go, oh, a tough game. Padres lost. And I'm like, that's such a, the minimal knowledge that you can have about the Padres is, oh, the Padres lost. That must be terrible. And I'm like, no, 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 actually, it's great. And then I have to go into a whole 15-minute speech about why losing is great. And the, the casual fans, they don't have time for that. And they, they don't really understand it either. I mean, they're, Yeah, they're, they don't want to. Yeah, or they understand championships and playoffs and winning and stuff like that. But this isn't their area of expertise, right? I mean, they're not listening to our podcasts. They're, right. They're not our audience at all. Right. And that's what Craig Elson realized in the middle of Make the Padres Great Again yesterday <laughs> is when he was, you know, preaching to the casual fan, all of a sudden he realized he wasn't actually talking to the casual fan because they don't listen to Padres podcasts because they don't have time to learn. They don't want to learn. Right. And so I guess I've always thought it was weird. And, you know, like, I think on Quintelligence we cover things like business, like, you know, the business side a lot. Maybe maybe too much. I don't know. But um, I, think, I think the Padres explicitly recruit a group of fans that uh, – or market to a group of fans that understands the entire process the least. Yeah. And so – you know, Wait, you have the, like, the least in baseball? No, no, like, well, but, like, okay, here, you, you got Party at the Park, right? Yeah. Party at the Park's not created to bring in you and me. Like, we're going to the game anyways because we want to watch some baseball. It's bringing in, you know, guy that wants to have a happy hour after work and eat some food and whatever. Like, that's the audience they're trying to bring in. You watch their TV commercials. It shows, like, the food and the beer. Yeah. And the baseball's pretty secondary to it. But yet, those people are the people that uh, understand why the team is rebuilding least they're just like the Padres suck right I mean I, I don't I guess I feel like the team is counterproductive in that in that way in that they're you, they're just they're springing in people that don't get it uh, you know well they have to you can't just bring in the people that get it because they're going already no well number one they're going already and number two you would end up with 300 fans at each game instead of 5,000 or 10,000 or whatever they actually get you know, the, the people that actually understand, get it, spend the time, still follow the team when they're bad is a very, very small group and small percentage. So how do you reach those guys? I mean, how do you reach what guys? Like, the the like, guys that how, care? The guys that come to, to party at the park. Like, how do you, how do you educate reach? them at what this team is doing so that we don't have to hear at the water cooler, like, hey, tough loss, guys. You can't. We don't understand. You Jeff can't. really bad. You can't. Yeah. There's not enough time for it. I mean... I watched the Astros go through this. I was very interested in what the Astros were doing. And one of the most interesting things the Astros did, and I don't know if the Padres do this anymore. Are you still a season ticket holder with the Padres? No, they drove me out. Okay. So, but at some point they they had, or maybe still have, meetings for season ticket mm-hmm. holders, right? Well, they cut that, but yeah. You know, oh, so Tom, they got, so so they got rid of it. That was a big Tom Garfinkel thing. Where he okay. Would, and it was great. We would have, you know, it would be in like February when you're starting to get excited. Yeah. You'd bring all the, the season ticket holders in and you could have an open forum question and answer session with, with Garfinkel. And I'm not joking in telling you that the reason those are done, that those don't happen anymore is because of me. <laughs> no, it's and uh, not to try and take credit for something that's terrible, but when he made the comments about Zach Greinke being Rain Man... Um, the audio got sent to me, and I'm the one who posted it on Voice of San Diego, and I got calls about it from people in the Padres saying, please take it down, please get rid of it, please, we don't want any trouble. And then it became this much bigger story, and, and my guess is that's why they don't do them anymore. But the Astros, when they were tanking, they got together all their season ticket holders, and they said, look, guys, we're going to be bad. We're going to be bad on purpose. We're going to be bad on purpose for a while. 
But here's why we're going to be bad on purpose, and we sincerely hope that you stay with us. We sincerely hope that you remain season ticket holders. And if you can and you won't, we understand. That's okay. Yeah. Just come back when we're better. You know, no hard feelings. And uh, the the Padres can do that with the season ticket holders, but I don't even know if the season ticket holders are the casual fans. I mean, no, all, no, I think they're the least. I mean, they're the least casual. All, fans. all they can do for the casual fans is what they do now, which is make the experience at Petco Park as great as humanly possible, and remind those people that a night at the ballpark is fun, no matter whether or not the Padres win. And maybe they'll come during the losses, but they will definitely come when the team is better. Well, I. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, and I think the Padres have actually done a good job of addressing things like season ticket holders and, and knowledgeable baseball fans. I think they get it. I think most of us get it, right? And, and are probably on board with the whole plan. I, I guess I see, like, like the five-win plan, right? You are not a fan of the five-win plan. I'm not a fan. You're not a fan either. I'm not a fan. I heard you on the podcast, and I heard Craig's devastating takedown of me on... Just kidding. It was it wasn't devastating, and I actually sent Craig, I actually sent Craig some some messages today. I'm sure he'll respond in kind. But um, I think who do you think that's targeting? Is that targeting the casual fan or the hardcore fan? No, like it's I was actually no, no, about it's, this it's today. absolutely targeting the casual fan. Right. That, that's what I said. I'll make the Padres great again. Like that's for every fan who booed Jeff Weaver or Jared Weaver. Uh, that's for every fan who goes, "Why would I buy a ticket?" When I'm probably just going to see a loss. Right. They're saying, hey, five guaranteed wins. You're buying five guaranteed wins. But, you know, the, the hardcore fan, the Padres don't do a great job of catering to the hardcore fan. And, well, I, I, and I think that's part of the reason that, oh, that's loud. Yeah, that is loud. I think that's, <laughs> that's part of the reason why um, guys like you, guys like Marver, some of the bloggers that follow the team on a daily basis, that write about the team on a daily basis... Um, part of the reason they're they're upset most of the time and and annoyed with the the whoever that is he's my hero. He is. You're my hero. Thank you. That's Nick, the head brewer. Thanks, Nick. You're head, my hero for the head brewer at yeah, the beer as well. Yeah, he brought us free beer. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Nick. Nice to meet you. A couple hours old, uh, best coast. So. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm fully erect sitting here. <laughs> Jesus, I'm gonna move away. Uh, so I'm gonna move closer. Yeah. <laughs> So they, they don't do the best job of, of catering to the hardcore fan. I think that's why a lot of the hardcore fans like almost grow to hate the Padres in some well, way. Well, I think that's that's like the basis of much of what I've written. Yes. And, and, no, you know, that's, that's entirely the basis. And that's the basis of, I, of Change the Padres and right. the, the, the both the documentaries and Marver as you a know, human being. Uh, right. Even, you know, Gaslamp Ball caters to more casual fans, I think, in general than some of the blogs. But I don't know if that's true. You think so? You don't think I don't so? know if that's I, true. They just have such a wide audience because they're part of a big network, but I think that they have a broader audience than I do, for sure. I think um, the broader audience caters to things that sound like news that in Padres' world aren't news. Like, right. Carlos Esuaje gets called up. Well, look, the hardcore fans know that Carlos Esuaje getting called up doesn't mean anything. Right. It really does. He was here last year. And he's not very good. Like, I'm sorry. He's not very good. I'm glad I finally talked to someone that talks the same way about me as me about Carlos Asuaje. He's not very good. He's like, a utility guy. He gets a, excited for utility guys. Exactly. And it's not even like he is a utility, utility guy. His potential is to be a utility guy. Yes. At no point is anyone going, oh, he could be a starting second baseman. At no point is anyone going, he might be an all-star. Like, he's not as good as Corey Spangenberg. Right. He might never be as good as Corey Spangenberg. Who can't get on the field as is. Right. So that's a non-story. But if you want to cater to the fans, you go, oh, they called up this prospect, Carlos Esuaje, and everyone gets excited because they go, ooh, prospect. This guy might be something. 
And it's it's a uh, I, I don't think Gaslamp Ball does that, but I also you know I haven't read Gaslamp Ball in a long time oh, for semi personal reasons, uh, <laughs> and you know they they might be something different now than what I remember them being. I will say on a brief aside, I actually uh, I'm producing the Sisters Sisterhood of the Traveling Jersey uh, coffee table book, which I will purchase because I'm a part of. Yes, I just processed your story on it, I can't and wait. it was gripping. It was great. Was and it gripping? I thought it was gripping, and I. So that's my thing about like the entire Padres blogosphere slash Padres Twitter is, I think things like a stupid Dave Staten jersey that brings people together. Like I, I think Bobby Cressy tweeted out this picture last year where it was like just like a on a selfie stick or something like up above showing this group of people, and said, it's not just fans; it's like a community. And I think that podcasts like yours and podcasts like mine and blogs and. Padres Twitter like brings strangers together in ways that they would never come together otherwise. Oh yeah, so, I mean, well, and I think Gaslamp Ball is part of that. But. Have you ever seen in the last four or five years? Do you follow the NBA at all? A little, not much. So you know that the 76ers are bad. Yes. And for years they were bad on purpose. Right. The plan. The plan. Yes. And the process. Yes. And uh, they throw in Philadelphia. They throw the world's largest draft parties. And I'm, I'm not talking 500 people. I'm talking 15,000 people will show up to these draft parties. And it's not just because, hey, we have one of the top picks. It's just they, they know. They, they've bought in. But they're also, like, appropriately ridiculous. Like, they know that their team is ridiculous. They know that it's ridiculous that their team doesn't try and win games, despite the fact that their whole business model is try and win games. Right. Uh, so they get together and they celebrate the weirdness of their team and their situation and this year at a, a Sixers uh, draft party, or it was the draft lottery party, actually, um, a, a guy proposed to his girlfriend. And she said, yes, they're, they're going to get married. They got engaged at a, a Sixers draft lottery party that had thousands of people at it. Like, these circumstances, and I'll, I'll go back to kind of the old days of Gaslamp Ball, uh, which I was a part of. The bad seasons, the really bad seasons, were where you made friends in the comment section of an open thread during a game. Right. Because there was only 20 of you that were willing to watch game 134 in a terrible season for the Padres. So you kind of bond over the fact that your team is terrible. I don't know that there's as much of that going on this year as there was in those years. You think so? Because I, I actually, and I said before that I think Padres Twitter is at its best when the team is terrible. But I think it also brings, like, the question of, is Padres Twitter good for the fan base? I, sometimes I'm not sure. Uh, and, and obviously it depends on who you follow. Padres I don't Twitter follow is, that many people. Padres Twitter is very exclusive. Is it? It is very exclusive. I, When's the last time you, like, someone popped up in Padres Twitter, quote-unquote Padres Twitter, that you didn't know? Someone that... That, uh, that I haven't met in person? No, 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 that, that, that you don't already follow. You know, someone that you went oh, like, wow, yeah, never. This, and that's the thing never. about Twitter. It's, very it's, exclusive. It's, it's a sounding board for people of like-minded yes. thoughts because you wouldn't have followed them in the first place. This is also why Twitter is so toxic for the political nature of this country. Yes. Uh, Facebook as well. Facebook is god, god, god awful the worst. But Twitter is, I get it, and I get that. But like, it, with well, Padres there's, Twitter, there's, is it is it like you follow people that are uh, pro ownership and only that, or I, I just feel like it brings this melting pot of there's like, fans. There's together. like thirty people that tweet almost every Padres game. Yes, and that's Padres Twitter. But that's the Gaslamp Ball comments board, right? 
it is. But and there's it, only 20, 30 of us maybe that are actually watching these But at the same time, because, you know, you don't have to follow those people to see their comments. It used to be like, you could just join and start commenting and be like, hey, I'm a big Padres fan. I've been watching all these games. It's nice to have someone to watch with. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're part of the club. Whereas in Twitter, like, that's almost impossible to do. So, I, I Padres Twitter... The things that are said, I don't care whether or not they're positive or negative for the team or about the team, but I do think that the exclusivity of, like, there's, there's basically royalty with Padres Twitter now. There's, there's going to be the a, royals? There's, there's going to be, well, you're one of them. No, I'm not there's, one of them. There's going to be a whole podcast of interviewing people who are popular in Padres Twitter. Like, it's, Is that exclusive? It might be. There's, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's very, it's a very exclusive club, and that, that bothers me. I, like... See, I don't I'm, think I'm, that's the intent, though. I've almost gotten to the point where, like, I just kind of follow during games, like, the Padres hashtag. Yeah. To see who's tweeting about them that I don't know. That I, you know, and someone that has, like, a good take or an do you, interesting Do you thing. follow them, then? Follow who? Follow, let's say, I don't know, random random guy on Twitter makes a clever Padres comment. Do you no, what? follow him? or uh, I'm I'll, curious because I... I'll click on him and I'll see what his other tweets are. And if they're good, then I'll be like, oh, hey, uh, good follow. But if they're about Trump, then you... Then and I'm out. The heave ho. Then I'm out. Yeah. Obviously, there's something wrong. Like, I'm looking now. I only follow 212 people. Most of them are maybe bloggers. I think I follow 900-something people. But you follow NBA and other sports. That's true. Too, so you, you might you probably follow politics. That's, I've, I think mine's I've been known pretty to. exclusively Padres, but I don't know. You're right. I curate it. And so I guess I see your point. I, I don't... I, is royalty the bloggers? Is that the people that that attract followers, I yeah, guess, I guess, because they produce content. I guess. I mean, like, you know, the, the royalty of Padres Twitter basically is, is Gaslamp Ball, you and Marver, and the guys from Padres Public. Like, and it, it seems like, yeah. Not you. You, you can give yourself credit. I, I rarely tweet during Padre games. And when I do, it's never, like, Padres Twitter has this, like, snark to it. Yeah. That I, I don't. The, I don't the Brad hand jokes? Or? Yes. And I, which are, I just leave to you. Uh, I, I I don't regularly get involved with that. It's more, you know, I, sometimes I like to pretend that I'm an on-air personality and I'll, I'll tweet some sort of analysis about what I just saw. But, yeah, it's, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that's interesting, though, because I don't think casual fans, they couldn't care. They're not going to waste a follow on a, on a Padres blog. Or if they do, they're going to they're gonna unfollow it once they get flooded with Padres tweets. And so I think you're right. Like I think it ends up being this like group of fans with a certain think thinking direction. I guess like I don't. I didn't think of it as royalty, but uh, but yeah, it becomes groupthink at some point, right? It's it's very much groupthink, and it's very much um, I don't know. It's not. Uh, Darren Smith keeps he sent me this article and then he's been talking about it all week on air. This is what he from, opened his uh, from, from the Twitter founder, yeah, Evan Williams. Yeah. yeah. And the, the guy's whole thing about, like, hey, Twitter was supposed to be a place for, like, open thought and, like, everyone's given the power of, of you know, having this audience. And it's just not that. It's not that. And it's yeah. not that Twitter as a whole. It's not that Padres Twitter. Um, it, it's, you know, Padres Twitter is, is good in theory. And <laughs> I, I think it can be fun. But um, I don't know. I, I wish that, like, new people weren't just, like, sort of outcast or, or feeling like they can't join in for whatever reason. Yeah, I, this makes maybe me, maybe Padres, this makes me feel bad. Maybe Padres Twitter needs a hashtag so that everyone just follows the hashtag instead of following the people. I don't know. This makes me feel bad. I didn't mean to exclude anyone, except 
like Mickey Coke or someone, but like. Well, look, for for a long time, Mickey Coke was the only person that I had blocked on Twitter. I think I've now blocked three people, uh, but Mickey will always be my first, the one that broke my blocking cherry. Hey, he's just here to talk baseball. Yeah. Uh, real quick, the five win plan. Five win plan. You guys had this over under of like a thousand people. You really think it's a thousand people? I thought I was, was going to put over under at a hundred. I was going to put it a lot more than a thousand before Craig said a thousand. You remember the? Uh, you remember last year they came out with a flex plan? Yeah. Uh, you know, do you I know heard, how many of those they sold? I heard, I heard it's in the double digits. Oh no! And I heard it's in the low double digits. I bought a flex plan once, just not last year. Yeah, not the one last year because it totally sucked. Yeah, there was one. Uh, God, I want to say it was like 2012, 2013, uh, and it was a hundred bucks. And for a hundred bucks, you got two tickets to five games. Hmm. And it was any—that's a great deal. And it was any five games that you're choosing. Right. And so I partnered up with a buddy. We each kicked in fifty bucks. We picked five games to go to, and it was great. It was—it was a great deal, and we had—we had a blast at every game we went to. Yeah. Um, but I—I I mean, I guess thinking about it more and more, you know. Probably it's probably going to be less than a thousand because at the end of the day, people whether or not to win, people still don't really want to go see the Padres, <laughs> and they don't want to sit through sixteen games to get five wins because that's still sad, and you're still paying parking, and you're still paying concessions, and it's still a suck on your time and your life. Right. Um, but like, like, and that's why I asked it whether it was for casual or hardcore fans because it's kind of weird. Uh, casual fans aren't going to go to uh, seven games in a row, right? And the only way that you really get value out of the plan is by going to every game. Yeah. So, like, who's it really targeted at? Like, uh, that's that's what confused me so much. And so I was going to – did you watch – you're about my age. Like, you watched Saved by the Bell when you were – Oh, hell yeah. Do you remember and when – uh, Do you remember, of course, who didn't watch the Golick <laughs> college years, Bob Golick? You understand I met Bob Golick on uh, – on Radio Row at the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and I geeked out just because he was the he was the RA, right? Yeah, RA. Yeah, he was the RA at, at, at the, California the, University. Yeah, California University, the college years. <laughs> God, did he play that down? Was he like, why aren't you talking to me about Raiders football? Uh, no, no, no. He or did he, he embrace it? No, no, no. He he laughed. Uh, he embraced it, and he said, uh, "That's better than what most people know me as, which is Mike Golick's brother." <laughs> so no, he was he was very good about it. Uh. So, like, there was an episode where uh, Zach and Slater really messed up things with Kelly and, and Jesse. Shocking. And then they, they reserved the max, and they did uh, what I should have said theater to try to win them back. So, like, what what should the Padres have done with this? Like, if they could go back and fix it. Well, I, I lined it out on Make the Padres Great Again. Or do you think it's a win? Or do you think it's a win, as is? No, no, no. I, I lined it out on Make the Padres Great Again. Uh, th- this was obviously for the casual fan. I'm a hardcore fan. Uh, if they wanted to do something for the hardcore fan, which is debatable, maybe they didn't. Uh, what they should do is a ticket, you know, somewhere between fifty and seventy-five dollars, that lets you just go to unlimited games for the month. Right. You know. Or actually, the flex plan you talked about—that's that would be very appealing to any of us. Yeah. You know, a hundred bucks, two tickets, five games. That was a. I'd buy that in a second. That was a, a Garfinkel initiative. Well, everything good came under Tom Garfinkel, except <laughs> for what was on the field. Hey, it's actually really great that that Marvin was a great not year. on this podcast because he'd be just hemming and hawing and snorting because he hates Garfinkel so much. Really but, hates Tom Garfinkel. But I was talking to can, can I can I point out for a fact? Do you know? Have you met Tom Garfinkel? 
Never met him. I didn't live here at the time. Oh, really? oh no, 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 wrong. 2012, I went to one of those season ticket things, and I asked him a question, and he was very gracious, and I, I never enjoyed his larg- okay, Largus I'll, of I'll upgrades. Say, I'll and, say this, because it, maybe it's my only time on the Gwintelligence podcast, and maybe not. Whether or not you agree or disagree with how he's run the Padres or how he has since run the Miami Dolphins, one of the nicest human beings I've ever met in my life. Yes. And it, it's not particularly close. He's, he's in the top tier. Like, I, I could just go through a list of things about what was better with Garfinkel. And I think even Marvers come around to some of it, but, like, Breakfast at the Park. Breakfast better at the Park season was, ticket. Was, was, was really th- good. It was 13 bucks. Like, what, what, would, what would this management team charge for Breakfast at the Park? It'd be 30 bucks, right? And, by, by the way, legitimately good yeah, breakfast. Yeah, very good, yes. And, like, players would come, you know, slap you five or whatever. It was a great time. And it was for season ticket holders. They had, you know, priority in getting a reservation. But it was also open to everyone, which is not something this management team tends to do. And, like, just Garfinkel was a people person. And it was just things seemed sunnier when Tom Garfinkel was there. <laughs> but uh, here's the, the point where Marver, Marver's like the congressman during <laughs> Obama's, like, State of the Union, just yelling, you lie, you lie about Garfinkel. But he's a nice guy. I think he did a good job. He's incredibly, incredibly nice guy, um, and you know, like did did a lot. And and this is me being semi biased and, and bought off, but did a lot for the bloggers. Well, I did um, see in your sisterhood of the traveling jersey write up about how he upgraded you to the Lexus Club. He did. I, Sony I, Home Plate Club. At that I, time. I may have uh, left out the part where I pressured him into. <laughs> no, uh, you left that in. Actually, that was. The oh, character. did I? Yeah. Okay, excellent. You peer pressured him on on the tweeter. I, I did absolutely peer pressure him into giving me those tickets, but um, you know, not the only time that Tom gave me those tickets. And yeah, you know, there was uh, one breakfast where he brought out all the 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 members of the Gaslamp Ball community and gave us all uh, updated shirts Ugh. because uh, Gaslamp Ball had done the, the shirts where the retired numbers looked like the numbers from Lost. Right, yes. And uh, this was, I believe, the same day that, that Trevor Hoffman's number was being retired. Uh, so he delivered to us uh, shirts that he had had made up that were the same shirts, but they included the Trevor Hoffman number. Um, and they were blue. And he, he, he made a point to point out that they were blue yeah. and not brown and not black they were blue uh but you know we we got some of the spoils from being bloggers then well so uh you know voice of san diego celebrity journalist andy keats had a long dialogue <laughs> with me and uh, whoa doctor today just about like why why we didn't like the five five win plan he was like you know it seems like small potatoes to me and i think the the crux of the I issue think that was craig's point too but the thing is in a vacuum i agree it's not that big a deal like it's better than the status quo right but the problem is that it's the capstone to five years or so of, of a trend but also that you and i and other people have seen what it can be with a guy like tom garfinkel in charge where just the attitude towards a customer was totally different and i think that's I think that's a big driving force of how a lot of people are reacting yesterday and today about it. Because of what it used to be. Right. Well, We've I just, seen I how just, good it can be. What did I do? I just compared it to the flex plan that existed when Garfinkel <laughs> right. was here. We both agreed that that was a better plan. The best. And I can tell you for, for a fact that the season ticket plan was better back then. You know, That's why I was a customer, and that's why I'm no longer a customer. It's not that I uh, don't like the Padres any, any, anymore. You know, like I'm a prime customer for them. I should be the person who buys season tickets, and they've created a situation where it's I don't want it. Yeah. It's not a good deal. Yeah, 
I, I don't know. That and they, that was something Garfinkel was specifically, I would say, sensitive to. You know, creating value and making a... Re- like the membership, he, they, he called the season ticket program a membership to try to make it seem exclusive. And Garfinkel was the king. Was the king genius. of PR. Yeah. He was the king of PR. Anyone who was going to say something about the Padres was going to say something positive, because Tom knew their name. He had shaken their hand. He had looked them in the eye, and he had given them some sort of upgrade or pat on the ass somewhere. Right. And it's you know there's there's a, a place in sports for guys that are that good at PR. Yeah. Yeah, that's why he got promoted to the NFL. And that's why Mike D D got demoted from the NFL. Sure. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so you're an employee of the Mighty 1090. You're the digital guy. I'm also, but you get a good... I'm an employee of broadcast companies of the America. Yes, BCA. So I thought that's... uh, You're an interesting guest here because you have a viewpoint of both the radio and, you know, old media. Yep. But you also have a really good viewpoint of blogs. Like, you were the head of Bolts from the Blue, like a major Sports Nation blog. And, uh, you know, you do all the digital stuff at 1090. So I thought it was interesting. I mean... I've spent a lot of time writing about Padres radio, for you instance. Have. Um, obviously, I write about, you know, I follow Twitter and blogs and stuff like that. So I thought you'd be, like, a good person to, like, bounce some things off of. Okay. Um, do you do you think that podcasts and blogs, like, I produce or that you're, you've produced or are producing, is it something that'll supplant things like the radio eventually? Yes. And that's why you're going so deep into trying to create your own podcast brand, right? Um, no, 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 no. Uh, I, I tend to learn by doing. And uh, as the, the director of digital content and strategy <laughs> for BCA Radio, uh, it's my job to see the things that are coming due to technology and a growing digital space and to be out in front of them. So I thought the way to learn best about podcasting was to create podcasts and to promote podcasts and and really learn all the ins and outs of what's the best way to put together a podcast what are the things to do what are the things not to do um I, you know on my own podcast I, I don't even follow all the things that i tell other people to do or not do with their podcast uh but i learn along the way what works and what doesn't work and why it works and if it's worth the effort and if it's worth my effort or my time but no, I mean, the, the main reason I, I do the podcast that I do is um, just to try and learn more about the space. Like, you know, it, I, I haven't learned anything about podcasts outside of what I've done myself and, and learning from the results of that. So I, I do that uh, in service to my job of trying to help transition the Mighty 1090, 1057 Max FM and ESPN 1700 into a world that I think is coming soon, which is a world that... Greatly devalues radio, and you found like advertisers for your podcast. Like there are people that buy into the importance of podcasts, and like even on your podcast, you're uh, you know generally speaking, uh, like radio stations run these ads where it's like, uh, hey, radio advertising. It really sticks in your head, and it's actually really true though. Like I can talk about old schoolhouse square or uh you know iron fist brewing like all these things i can pull because hey how many how many mexican psas are still talked about on padre twitter yeah you know because it's it's just audio advertising does in a way work you're alone in your car with the audio right and and it sticks there i mean like tv advertising is its own thing like 
but I don't retain anything. Well, I retain the goddamn Saquon song. <laughs> like other than that, I don't retain anything. And meanwhile, I can I can still do like radio commercials. I can pull Howard Stern commercials from when I was in high school. He, he had this commercial for Sevilla downtown, and I can still say it verbatim. Okay. And so like. <laughs> It's just um, dining at Sevilla. It's like going to Spain without paying the airfare. Like, these are things that are stuck in my head. And so, like, I guess I sometimes I wonder, like, why people aren't jumping on podcast advertising. Is it, like, the audience numbers or is it just scared of... Because I tried to buy advertising for Fire Mike D-Day at uh, both sports radio stations. How'd that work out? Well, one of the stations... uh, one of the stations said they wouldn't do it, and then one of the stations said, uh, just uh, ignored my emails. I was ready to cut a check, though, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, so the thing is, like, actually, I don't even know what point I was getting This Okay, so so I'll, I'll get back to your point for you. Um, advertising, uh, audio advertising is in a very weird place because they have no idea how many people listen to their ads when they put it on radio because people tune off during commercial breaks right. and everything in radio in terms of, of ratings and, and analytics and metrics is an estimation. It's a total estimation. We use Nielsen. It, the same Nielsen that, you know, they, they put a hundred cable boxes in San Diego and those hundred cable boxes are, are meant to tell, you know, the world how many people actually watch this show. They don't know how many people actually watch this show. They're guessing mm-hmm. based on 100 people that agreed to have a cable box in our... It, it, the radio is the same thing. So audio advertisers don't actually know how many people uh, potentially heard their ad. They don't know how many people actually listened to their ad. And with podcasting, we can tell them those things. how The audience that you're expected to reach, because here's our normal number of downloads... And the audience that you actually reach, because here's the number of people that downloaded the episode that you're a part of. And the interesting thing is they're looking at radio and they're going, well, you're not sure your numbers, so we're not entirely sure we want to give you money. And they're looking at podcasting and they're going, well, your numbers aren't as good as the radio numbers, so we're not sure we want to give you your money. So it, it's there's this weird thing where the advertisers kind of have to come to grips with the fact that maybe the numbers haven't been as good as they've been told. Mm-hmm. And they need to be okay with that. And they need to be happy with the fact that now when they spend money, they can get an actual number of how many people listen to their advertisement. But then it, it gets even trickier because podcasting is still done through RSS feeds, which is an antiquated system. So all you can do is tell them how many people downloaded the episode. Right. If their ad is 30 minutes into a 60-minute episode, you can't tell them how many people got 30 minutes into a 60-minute mm. episode. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting place to be for me kind of straddling the fence of old media new media because i see old media struggling because new media has better analytics and new media is struggling because the new analytics aren't as impressive as the old numbers so i like like to my original question of like if it's supplanting old media you guys have this big discussion, and it's always on air. Like, uh, hey, should we be talking about the Chargers still? Or it's like, not what? always on like, air, by the way. It's well, only sometimes it's both. on it's, air. It's in a boardroom as well. Yes. And, you know, but but that's like a big discussion locally, right? And so you've at the same time you've got podcasts, and they'll be like, hey, some people will be like, hey, why aren't you talking about the Padres more? And some people are yep. like, hey, talk about the Chargers some more. So then, you know, a group of us are producing an hour of content a week about the Padres or whatever, and so. Do you think eventually that'll just satisfy people's need for content on the Padres? Because really, you can only talk about the Padres 
so much, right? Well, here's the thing. Uh, people don't watch TV anymore. They don't. Right. They, they, watch, they watch live sports and everything else they watch on their DVR, which means just like Twitter, just like Facebook, it's curated for them. They get to see what they want to see when they want to see it. And that's what DVRs have created. And unfortunately, radio doesn't work that way. You can't provide every person who's listening with what they want to hear when they want to hear it. And so people are going more and more towards podcasts because, hey, right now I want to hear about the Padres. Right now I want to hear about Donald Trump. Right now I want to hear about the Chargers. I'll go listen to a Padres podcast, a Donald Trump podcast, and a Chargers podcast. And that level of control is what people have started to expect. And just the nature of radio, you can't provide that to people. So no matter what we talk about on the Mighty 1090, we can talk about the Padres, the Chargers, soccer, NFL, it doesn't matter. Whatever we talk about, we get angry tweets, angry messages on Facebook saying, hey, stop talking about that thing. I don't want to hear that right now. You mean, hey, shut up about the Chargers hey, already? Hey, shut up about the Chargers yeah. already is a very good example of the, about that. So, um, sorry, that's fine. You're not the only one. So is realizing that because their content is not specifically curated to each and every user, it's a worse user experience. And so that's part of the reason that less people listen to radio now than ever before. Is that the, is that true? I yes. didn't know that. I didn't know less people listen than ever before. Well, I mean, since the invention uh, of radio. This is because people are listening to, like, Pandora and, and Pandora, so music stations Spotify, and YouTube. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, okay. I, don't, I don't really tune into music stations anymore. When I want to hear music, I oh, open yeah. up my Who Google Play that? app. Who does that? I right. listen to the Dave and Jeff podcast, and he's like, I'm tuning into Kixie on my way to work. I'm like, who... Who does that still? Like, right. Who turns on music. Yeah. I mean, like I turned on Cantori Woods because I wanted to hear Cantori Woods, and I would get I would change the station when music came on. When Twenty One Pilots was played. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean my my wife still listens to the radio from time to time, and she tells me that, and she hates Twenty One Pilots with a fiery passion, and she tells me every time Twenty One Pilots comes on, she immediately turns the station to something else, um, or she will plug in her phone because she doesn't have Bluetooth. She'll plug in her phone and listen to her own Google Play playlist of stuff that she actually likes. Right. And so, I mean, this is the society that we live in now, which is if the radio station plays something I don't like, I turn the radio off. But, I mean, think even 10 years ago. The radio station plays something you don't like. What do you do? You go to a different radio station. You hope that they're playing something that you like. And if all five radio stations you like and you have programmed into your car are not playing the thing you like, maybe you put on a CD. Yeah. But probably you just flip back to the first of the five. Probably you and just wait. Hope, hope that enough time went by that yes. another song came on. Yeah, that's yeah, why. No, this, re- this is why music is, is pop music is typically three and a half minutes long. Because if they don't like it, it only takes three and a half minutes for you to get to the next song. Yeah. So I, I thought it, uh, this week Darren Smith brought on uh, our good friends John Conniff from Mad Friars. And I thought it was uh, an interesting thing where old media radio was bringing on you know a blogger to, to discuss something. Do you think that's a trend that we'll see more? I don't want to go. I mean, I don't want it, but I'm sure there are people that would like to come on the radio. And, and I think that our little community is certainly more knowledgeable about the Padres than AJ, AJ Cassaville. You know, someone in the media that, that, that is someone that's traditionally brought on to talk about the Padres, I'd argue a lot of the blogging community knows much more, like way more. Like, you know way more than Kurt Pavacqua about specifics of the team. 
I like Kurt Pavacqua. He's a former player. He's a great LaCosta resident. But, you know. Okay, so this, um, I'll tell you. And this you. is kind of what Andrew Buer kind of does for 1090, right? Like, he's a guy who, under, well, is he not? I don't I don't know him. But he sounds like he's the knowledgeable guy that they bring on to, to talk about things. Well, so. we make Andrew to be the knowledgeable right. guy because we send him down all the time to talk to players and coaches and what have you. Um, so I'll tell you a, a slightly embarrassing story. Um, I was working for a radio station in L.A. when I went to the Super Bowl, same Super Bowl that I met Bob Golick. And uh, I ended up... Um, so there's Radio Row with the Super Bowl, right? All the radio stations are packed together in one room. So I did the show that I was doing in L.A. And then I went out with my buddies from the show and we all got drunk. And I came back to Radio Row, drunk. And uh, Judson was on the air because at the time Judson was on at night. So Judson Richards is on the air and he goes to, and I'm sitting there and I'm talking to Costa and Hartman because they're just hanging around and they know I'm drunk and they're messing with me and it's fine. And Judson goes to break and I'm like, put me on. And he's like, no. And I'm like, you cannot find a person more knowledgeable than the Chargers, uh, about the Chargers than me. Put me on. And he's like, absolutely not. I'm like, why not? And he goes, well, number one, you're drunk. And which, is, which is fair. Totally fair. And number two, you've got nothing to lose. And he goes, I'm not putting anyone on my air that has nothing to lose. And at the time, I was like, man, Judson, stick in the mud. <laughs> he's no fun. He doesn't get it. Radio's fun. And years later, I thought about it, and I was like, he's absolutely right. You don't put someone on the air that has nothing to lose. You know, Darren put on Marver at one point. He did. After the original Change the Padres yes, documentary came out. And Marver that, still won't shut up about it. That was semi-controversial because he put on someone that had nothing to lose. Marver could have came on and said, I, I don't want to curse on your podcast. You can curse on the podcast. Marver could have came on, and in the middle of the interview, he could have started saying, fuck the Padres, fuck the Padres, fuck the Padres, fuck the Padres. He's not going to lose his job over it. He's not going to lose a dollar over it. It's not going to change his life at all, except for the fact that he becomes known as the guy who went on the Mighty 1090 and said, fuck the Padres enough that the dump button couldn't cover him up, <laughs> and he got a fuck red out over the air. That's why you don't put those guys on. And here's where I'm going to correct you. John Conniff, the guys from Mad Friars... They're not a part of that category. Yes, they have a blog. Mad Friars is a blog. They're more professional than that. Yeah. And they, and they have professional relationships with the Padres. Right. And this actually brings me to my next question, which is essentially the access to a press pass is what separates me, for instance, or Nick McCann from Kept Faith from Andrew Buer, right? Sure. And, and that's leverage that I would assume the team has over that person to not say unreasonable things because then they could just yank the press pass, right? Well, this is a thing that I always and, and Conniff, with. you know, has access to a press pass. I and know then, he does, and, and, he, and he, not to take away from his professionalism, John Conniff's a really nice guy and a very professional and very devoted to his craft. But it's the press pass, right? That's leverage. Um, yes and no. Uh, it, I mean, really, you know, the press pass matters a little bit less to John Conniff and David Jay and, and the guys from Mad Friars because 
they're mostly going and talking to the players and coaches of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. Mm-hmm. And there's no, I mean, you know what the media policy is with the Fort Wayne Tin Caps? You call up, you say. Oh, yeah, actually, I should say, I can actually get a press pass from, like, the storm if I wanted to. Exactly, but. exactly. Um, yes, they could have a press pass to the Padres if they wanted to, but having a press pass to the Padres does not dictate whether or not they can write their story about the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. Right. Or the San Antonio Missions or the Lake Elsinore Storm. Uh, so they're, they're a little less driven by that. Uh, some people are. I mean, look, if Andrew Buer were to lose his press pass for something he said, uh, and Andrew, I'll, I'll be completely honest, Andrew is an employee of mine. It's I'm, I'm the person that he reports to. Mm-hmm. And if Andrew were to lose his press pass, it would be a big deal. It wouldn't. I wouldn't fire him over it, uh, but it would be a big deal that would make his job a lot harder, and he knows that. Uh, so there are some people that know that, that play within those rules. Uh, there are some people that know that, that don't play within those rules. And I'm speaking about Bernie Wilson <laughs> because Bernie Wilson knows that the last thing the Padres or the Chargers or anyone else wants to do is kick a member of the Associated Press out of their right. press box. Um, but yeah, most of the people in that press box understand that if their press credential gets yanked, their employer is just going to find someone else. Well, let's move on to a uh, let's move on to another more interesting topic, and it's one that I've written just extensively about. I was sitting in the in, I, I took a trip on my own to, up to Santa Rosa to go to exclusively to go to the Russian River Brewery. You know, uh, I wanted was, to drink Pliny. That was my stomping grounds for a little bit. It's great, right? Santa Rosa, yeah. Santa Rosa. It, I got an Airbnb right downtown. I walked over to Russian River. I got eat some good food. Like it's a it's an underappreciated city. Did you drive out to the country at all? I drove to Bear Republic, whatever, I forget the town it's in. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, north of Santa Rosa. I didn't go, I mean, I've been to Napa. I didn't go to, like, Yountville, um, right? Or, yeah. Like, French Laundry or Yeah, Napa, but, Sonoma, I mean, but... Sa- Santa Rosa is, uh, because it's right there on the edge of wine country, they have a lot of really good, like, random, small, independent vineyards. Yeah. Um, yeah, but downtown Santa Rosa is just cool. It's great, and people skip over it, because they're yeah. like, I want to stay in Sonoma or Napa, but... I've look uh, so i i uh i, I dated and, and almost married a girl who uh was from santa rosa and so major holidays we would go and spend in santa rosa and i i fell in love with um the town uh the surrounding area and uh i i fell in love with um russian river brewing because uh it, there were times where it got so busy that it was annoying but when it wasn't so busy like it really seriously had like this small town bar feel to it yeah and it's, I, I totally love it. So, sorry. I yeah, no, I mean, I was I there on, like, a, I, so I, I took off work. I flew up there on a Tuesday, flew back on a Wednesday, had just alone. Just, I went up there. Yeah. I wanted to bring Pliny back because uh, my Whole Foods, the NCU's Whole Foods closed, which is okay. my supply. But uh, it was great. I just sat at the bar. I had this little tablet, and I typed up my Padres radio posts. And Did I tell uh, you my, my Pliny story from this year? No. I Have you ever had Pliny the Younger? Of course. Okay. So I've had it twice, both times completely by accident. Uh, one time is at the now defunct downtown Johnny Browns. Yes, I've, yeah. I happened to be there. Waitress came around uh, to, to me and my friend uh, Seamus and said, how many Pliny's would you like? And we're like, what? She's like, how many Pliny's would you like? We're about to tap Pliny the Younger. And we're like, how many can we have? She's like, as many as you want. We're like, all right, screw it, four each. So they charge us five dollars a glass 
which compared to most bars, that's incredible. Absurd. It's yeah. incredible. Five dollars a glass, uh, and we got full pint pours of Pliny the Younger, and we got hammered at Downtown Johnny Brown's. And then they brought out free food. Oh, that sounds so great. Which was great. Coincidentally, also why Downtown Johnny Brown's is out of business. Probably. Possibly. So uh, the same guy, Seamus, uh, doesn't live in San Diego anymore, hasn't lived in San Diego in years, uh, came to visit a few months back when Younger was making his way around San Diego. Him and I were having lunch at Tiger Tiger. It was one of the two times I saw him when we were in town. We're having lunch at Tiger Tiger, and uh, we're out on the back patio. And we're just eating lunch. And we're drinking beers. And this guy walks in, and he gets a beer. And on his way out, he grabs both of us by the shoulder, and he goes, They just tapped Younger! Go get it! <laughs> so Seamus jumps up, without a word, jumps up, runs inside, comes back with two glasses of Pliny the Younger. I think they charged him six bucks glass. And, uh, and I got to have it again. Such a great beer. It's a great it's beer. It's an amazing beer. But I'm also the first to say, I, I like overrated. how we're getting into beer chat here. Uh, yeah. It's not overrated because it is really good. It's just like I wouldn't wait in line for it. Like I've never. It's not, the thing. Not, not to brag, but I'm in the Encinitas Ale House 80 Beers in 80 Days Club, so I'm just guaranteed a glass. That's, That's one of the, the benefits. I mean, this is the thing. I, I don't wait in line for anything. Right. Ever. I, I, don't, I don't go to Disneyland. I don't wait in line for anything. And so I would never wait in line for it. But the times I've had it, surprise, it's boom, good. there it is. Yeah, it's, it's a good beer. It's a fantastic beer. Yeah, and uh, I think Pliny the, Pliny the Elder is good also. Pliny uh, the know, Elder is also very the good. The thing with Pliny is um, it's, like, exciting to find it. And, like, I, I remember I would go to the Whole Foods. I'd go and be like, hey, do you have any Pliny here? Because they don't put it on the shelf. Pliny the Elder? It. The Elder, yeah. That's not difficult to find. It's kind of hard to find because it only comes down once a week or so. Okay. And, and you have to be there that day or the day after or it's gone because they don't give them cases of it. So, like, the Encinitas Whole Foods, they wouldn't even put it out on a shelf. You have to ask at the deli counter and they go check in the back room if there's any left. And, like, sometimes they'll be snarky and only be like, you know, in San Diego, there's a lot of better IPAs than this. Ugh. And I'm like, I know that. I like them. I like I like Modern Times. It's better. It's, I, I'd probably buy Modern Times over it, given Wait, the, the choice. I like Modern Times. Okay. I'll give a plug to Rip Current. Uh, how about we give a plug to 32 Norths? Excellent IPA here. They, all those, uh, those 12 IPAs yeah, that are sitting great. there, it was those, really good. those are all yours because I don't drink I'll IPAs. I'll take them. That's fine. I will take all pale ales the, the that they dropped off. The thing with Pliny is, it was really exciting when they would bring it out, and they'd be like, "Yeah, here's two of them," and then they sneak it to you over the deli counter. <laughs> like it, it's like the the search is what's exciting. See, I had I had a friend who uh, lives in Portland who used to tell me that his local liquor store, you would have to if you wanted Pliny, you'd have to walk in, you have to ask for it, and they would only sell it to people that they knew and people that they liked. Yeah, and so you'd walk in, you hey, do you have you have any Pliny? And if they knew you, they go, oh, let, let me go check. And if they didn't know you, they go, no, sorry, all out. <laughs> and so the search became a big thing for him. And I was like, I can find Pliny anywhere here. It's on tap. Well, it's like, on tap. You lived in like North Park. And yes, it's on tap. I live in the suburbs. Go to Hamilton's. It's on tap. Uh, it's like 20, all of the like 20 miles. Whatever. <laughs> don't you guys have a uh, Regal Seagull by you? It, they don't get it. They're not on distribution. Anthony's Ale House is pretty much the only place that gets it. And Bummer. They get it, and it's great, and I like it. But, like, I literally flew to Santa Rosa to fly back a 12-pack. Oh, I mean, also the fun times. The, you know, Santa Rosa is great. A, God, it's great. It's so good. That's a tip from this podcast is Napa, Sonoma. I travel a lot. You've seen me tweet about, like, miles and points. Yeah, you and were stuff. in Hawaii, like, well, that's for ago. work. That's for work. Still, that's that's professional. Pearl Harbor? Uh, no, no, that's I, didn't, I don't go to Pearl, Har- okay. Pearl Harbor. But um, that's professional. So, but obviously, I'm accruing many points there. But sure. 
Napa is really expensive. Like there's uh, incredibly you know, luxurious Westins that are like four hundred dollars a night there. And it's stupid. And Santa Rosa's right there. And right most there. people end up renting a limo or a, you know like an SUV, right, with a driver to take them around because they're going to get loaded. No, at. that's stupid. Well, it's not stupid. It's expensive, but it's not stupid. Okay. Well, what's the alternative? I mean, Uber, look, Ubering between, well, what, which what, is fine. I think what you were going towards and what I was going to say is, like, go to Santa Rosa. Right. Uh, visit the, the vineyards in Santa Rosa, the vineyards in Sebastopol. Um, get some apples while you're in Sebastopol. <laughs> it's what they're known for. Uh, and, you know, just, yeah, Uber. Right, Uber worst everywhere. Worst case, Uber to Yountville. You want to eat at the front? You want to eat at a Thomas Keller restaurant? Take an Uber over there. But you're going to wind up back at your hotel drunk anyways, right? Is this still a Padres vodka? <laughs> Let's talk wine. This is like Darren Smith is here. It's fine. <laughs> Talking red wine. <laughs> While we drink beer. Well, you know, I like sure. travel, you know. Yes. I gave Bobby Cressy a long lesson in credit cards and points uh, a couple weeks ago. So you can get your own lesson someday. Well, okay. You know, we got a conference room at the Best Western. <laughs> it's fine. Fair enough. Uh, anyways, the point is, don't waste your money on Napa and Sonoma. Go to Stay Santa Rosa. Stay in Santa Rosa. Yeah. I had an Airbnb, an entire house, 100 bucks, two blocks from Russian River from downtown. You know what the funniest thing about Santa Rosa is? And then we can drive. They have an airport bit, also. We, we can get back to yeah. it. They do have an airport. Uh, the funniest thing about Santa Rosa is once you really get to know the, their city and their downtown area, uh, it's all entirely based around the Santa Rosa Mall. It, it, it is. It's, I, it's I, entirely based around the mall. The mall is dead. Dominates c- the, it, like. It's dead center <laughs> in downtown Santa Rosa is the mall, um, which is fine. It's a fine mall. Uh, right across the street from the mall, about half a block down, is the best used bookstore I've ever been to. I went there. Outside of uh, Powell's in Portland yes. and the Strand in New York City. It's it's the third best used bookstore I've ever been to in my life. It's great. And they have it's one of those used bookstores where, like, cats live there. Like, they have cats. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a great place. That's my thing. Like, I go to a town, and I, I, I'm i a runner, so I'll, like, go for a, I don't know, two, three-mile run and try so to see the city. ran around the mall? That's what it is. You loop around the mall, and that's it. Like, that's the downtown Santa Rosa, and it's great. It's great. It's a great go little to downtown Santa Rosa. area. It's a direct flight from San Diego. You should have never done a podcast from a brewery. We've gotten <sighs> so off blurry. track. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, this is kind of why I wanted you on, because I think you're kind of like me. Uh, like, I, I don't know where you went to high school here, but, you know, I went to high San school. San Augustine. At, okay. Oh, San, okay. Yeah. Private school. Yeah, hmm. no. It's it, I, so here's <laughs> here's why. So uh, I moved to San Diego from New Jersey uh, right before eighth grade. I went to Gaspar de Portolo uh, or de Portola uh, Middle School for eighth grade, which was fine. Uh, when I lived in Tierra Santa, and then my parents moved me to North Park before North Park was nice. I mean, North Park was still it was like, where you go to get the hookers. It was still scary. Yeah. So my parents bought this great house in North Park. They bought it for three hundred thousand. They eventually sold it for seven hundred thousand. Uh, so my parents buy this house in North Park, and they specifically told me when I'm fourteen years old that uh, the local public school is San Diego City, and they didn't want me going to City because that's where people get stabbed. <laughs> my parents are very white. Uh, that's where people go to get stabbed is San Diego City. So instead, they paid what was at the time, I want to say $9,000 a year to send me to St. Augustine, which was actually closer than City. Uh, and there was no bus system that took you to St. So I, I walked to school. It was like, I don't know, a mile away from my house. So I walked to St. every day. And by the end, by my senior year, I think it had gone from like 9000 to like 
$17,000 a year was pretty absurd. Now it's even more absurd, I think. Um, but yeah, I went to Saints. At least you weren't one of those uni zilches. <sighs> the uni kids. Ugh, you know what I liked about stink. the uni kids? Nothing. Half of them had breasts. <laughs> we had no women at all. Just nothing but dudes. Ugh. It was terrible. It, most of the guys I know from high school uh, either ended up gay or ended up completely stunted in like their ability to interact with women. Socialize with women. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they don't know how to do it. <laughs> I was going to say, part of the reason I brought you on is because you're kind of like me in that you, you exited the San Diego bubble. Like, you've lived elsewhere. You've lived on the East Coast. You lived in Texas, right? No, no, no. Uh, when I was 21... I, in Philadelphia. When I was 21, I moved to Philadelphia. I was there for about four years. Uh, my wife is from Texas. Okay. And so I've spent a lot of time in Texas. Okay. Uh, when I was in L.A., she was in Dallas. Um, and we go to the, the Austin City Limits uh, Music Festival every year, which I'm going to again this year. Uh, so I've spent a lot of time in Dallas, but or in Texas, but I've never lived in Texas. Well, and so I think that's like valuable. Like I went to college in Virginia, and I lived in D.C. for ten years, and then I moved back here. But I think it's kind of good to get out of the San Diego bubble because it gives you a different perspective on things like sports, for instance, like seeing another market. How they were you a Padres fan a in D.C.? Massive Padres fan. You know, uh, and so, I was actually going to ask, like, were you when you were in Philadelphia? Yeah, but what drove me nuts was uh, game starting at ten, 10 o'clock. o'clock. Nice, right? See, it's impossible. So I had MLB TV. I'd watch the first three innings exactly. of, every, of every game. I set up the iPad on my nightstand, and I would lay there, and I'd watch, you know, two, three innings, and then I'd f- fall asleep. And then I'd check Gasland Ball or whatever in the, in the morning and see what happened. Exactly. And it's really hard. I saw I saw the first three innings of a lot of Jake Peavy starts, a lot of Chris Young starts. Yeah, and I actually think this is why I'm not as close to things like, I like Jake Peavy. He, I know he's a great padre, and he's really exciting, but, like, I don't have that intimate connection with him that I think guys like Marver or other people have because I'm 100% the same way but I also think I like the perspective of and I told Marver this like it's not like Marver and me were friends when we started this I never right. met the guy right I never talked to the guy right but I respect a guy who's and he was hated like Castle Ball despised him I think he's banned on there he is he's a giant dickhead a lot of times yep. but like I value someone who has that kind of passion for the team because I lived in D.C. and I would go to a Nationals game. I went to every, I went to every Padres game from 2006 when the Nationals moved from in Montreal. DC. Yeah, until 2012. I went to every Padres game in Philly. Yeah, against the Phillies. And you walk around and there's what nine Padres fans or so, ten Padres, and you give high fives because it's like, hey, Padres fan it was guy. Twenty or like, thirty, but there wasn't. I mean, in a in a crowd of forty thousand. Yeah, it was twenty or thirty. Well, yeah, I was there during the. Uh, I was there during the uh, Dimitri Young years of the Nationals. So oh, it definitely so were not 40,000 40, yet. Yeah. I was living in Philly when the Phillies won the World Series. Oh, that must have been insufferable. Because um, I saw the Rollins MVP crowd. I was there. Like, I mean, that was that year. Yeah. That was that they were year. just insufferable. The year they won the World Series, he won the MVP. Um, it was actually... I really love Philly. I still do. And uh, it was great. Like So I, I lived in uh, downtown Philly, or what they call Center City Philly. And when they won the World Series, um, so there's one long street that basically goes all the way through Philadelphia called Broad Street. It goes all the way from the southern tip to the northern tip, right down the center of it. And uh, I lived uh, kind of near the center of it. And I remember um, and the, the Citizens Bank Park is like the southern tip of it. Yeah. And I remember they won the World Series, and I walked outside, and I just walked over to Broad Street because it was like two blocks away from me. And I saw this crowd of 50,000, 60,000 people just walking up Broad Street, just from the southern tip all the way up. And then, uh, you know, people started 
jumping up on um, street lights and going crazy and people honking the horns and screaming and dancing and crying. And it was just this outpouring of emotion. And I remember just being in the middle of it and looking around going, God, I hope San Diego gets to experience this one day yeah. because it's, it's, there's nothing like it. No, it's, there's nothing. It's, like, I, it's I, hard I, to I, describe. Like I know we always fall back, and I didn't go, but it's, it seems, seems to be like a, a thing where it's like, are you San Diegan or not? Like, did you go when the bus came back? When the '98 Padres came back, losers, and like, I wasn't there. But like, I thought that's, it was, that's I thought the, the, the go-to have, right? was like when the Chargers lost the AFC. Oh uh, no, 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 that sorry, that's what. It, yeah, that's what. It, well, either one of them. Like that's what we have. Um, and I think it's valuable to get a perspective from someone who's gotten out of San Diego and seen it from another view. And, like, to be passionate about the team. Like, you're passionate. You do a podcast. You write about it, you know. And I think those fans on in other places are arguably the most passionate fans in that they stick with a team when they're distant and just this little Padres team and well, it's like so, kind of goes back to like that community that we're talking about, that we were talking when about. I when I took over Bolts in the Blue I was living in Philadelphia and uh, the reason that I took it over was because I, I wanted to dedicate so much of my time to uh, reaching out to other Chargers fans because there were none in Philadelphia and actually that's not How, true I, I bumped into one uh, or two I'm going to get a shut up about the Chargers already but like did you watch every Chargers game when you were in Philadelphia? Absolutely. Because How it, hard was it to get it on a TV at a at a, at a sports bar? Well, oh, at a sports bar. Well, I I you, I had, you had you had Directv. I had Directv. Okay. I watched every game at home, and, and uh, honestly, I watched every game with you know a notepad in my lap and trying not to drink because I knew I had to write a, a recap at the end of the game. Uh, I, I took it seriously, and. Uh, yeah, you know, when I, before I moved to Philadelphia, every Chargers game I watched with my grandfather and my father and my uncles, and I moved to Philly, and all of a sudden that, that sense of family was gone. So all I had was to watch the Chargers games and then write them emails. And eventually that became watch the Chargers game and write blog posts about it. And eventually that became Bolts from the Blue. And uh, it's funny, you know, every once in a while, and I think they still do it, the, the BFTV mapping project, every once in a while we ask people, like, hey, just tell us where you're from. Yeah. And you'd be shocked at how many people read Bolts from the Blue that are Chargers fans not in San Diego or not in California. And it, it's really just the connection of people that are fans from outside of the area. It's really easy to be a Padres fan in San Diego really easy to be well it was easy of course, to be, yeah. to be a chargers easy. fan in san diego it's difficult to be a chargers fan in philadelphia or in the philippines or in france right um similarly padres difficult to be a padres fan exactly abroad or you know in other cities exactly so uh your point to like those are kind of the best fans the most diehard fans not the I best think. not the best well very passionate very passionate yeah I mean, and that I, that's why i appreciate I, I made fun of mickey coke earlier i've never met the guy but the Neither least I, you can s- <laughs> the least you can say about him is passionate fan, and like I don't agree with him. I think he sounds like a like a dick on on Twitter. Yeah, but he's passionate about a team that you know I lived ten, I don't know thirteen years on the East Coast, and it's rare to see that kind of passion out there. So I guess that's why maybe I'm a little more open minded and I don't know appreciative of people like that. And you, because you've had the experience as well. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely more difficult to be a fan outside of the area to the point where when you move back, you're like, oh, man, this is easy. There's, yeah. just, there's Padre fans everywhere. Um, but 
you know, it's I, I, I've always appreciated the fans that live outside the area because it takes a, a special sort of extra dedication to make it work. Yeah. All right, I'll get back on track here. Okay. Is there a track? <laughs> We're, we started talking about Santa Rosa because I talked about how I wrote the Padres radio post that I wrote uh, while I was sitting at the bar at Russian River. Um, 94.9 has taken over, obviously from, from you guys. In yeah. 90. Yeah. I, I wrote a... I don't know. I would say less than positive review of how things are going over there. Okay. I would argue things are actually worse now than when I wrote that, but I guess that's up up for some debate. Okay. Um, is that we talked about casual fans earlier? Like that's the focus. I think that's the marketing focus is casual fans, not you and me. Was the switch to ninety four nine like just a a hail mary to try to capture casual fans and? I heard Jeff Dotson talk about it, where he said he talked to someone at the Padres, and they're like, well, our normal fans are going to tune in no matter where we are, because they'll find the station. It's not true. But 94.9, then you capture those, the guys that like listening to Red Hot Chili Peppers 20 times uh, an hour. Nope, not true. So, like, do you think that was the idea, though, from, from Mike D when he negotiated the deal? No, I think the idea was to get the most money possible. And 94.9 Entercom was willing to offer the most money. And uh, that's that's really what it is. I, I don't think there was any thought to... Short-term. We're talking short-term profits. That's what they were targeting. Yeah, the, I mean... The I, rights I, fee, which is a short-term, you know... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there was a lot of thought into what provides the best user experience, what garners us the most fans... I mean, you posted the other day on, on Twitter, 94.9's ratings are down. Plummeted. And I'm going to be honest with you, as someone inside radio, that was expected. That's not... By su- them? Yes. So they That's signed not a huge rights... They're paying a huge rights fee knowing that their ratings will plummet? Who paid the rights fee? Big Intercom, right? Yes. Not 94.9. Right. Intercom. And, and that's... That's not just a deal between the Padres and 94.9. That's a deal between Entercom and several baseball entities. Uh, so I think the thought process from Entercom San Diego or 94.9 was get the most money possible as soon as we can get it. Uh, and if our ratings go down, at least we got a lot of money in the process. So I, I, I think that was the goal there, was to get the most money possible. I don't think they thought the Padres were going to boost ratings. I think they knew the Padres were going to hurt their ratings. The Padres hurt the ratings of 1090 for years. Right. Scott Kaplan was very open about that. So was Darren. Uh, yeah. So was Darren Smith. Uh, the Padres don't get a lot of ratings for their games, and that's not surprising because the product is not very good. Uh, so it's they, they did it. The 94.9 did it. I, I, I'm not exactly sure why. Like, it made more sense to me at 1090, where at the very least it's providing, like, I guess content. But, like, a music station, it's not that much work to put on their programming, right? Like, they make a playlist and they correct they put it on there and they correct. mix in some commercials. Like, it's not it's not like they're saving money by, uh, I don't know, not having a night, an evening guy, right? right, during games. Exactly. And so, like, I mean, I still don't get it. I don't get it. Um, I, I don't get it from the... Obviously, I like I, I in my post, I wrote... And this was actually... You guys talked... Did, 
was it you that talked about it or maybe the kept faith that, that actually interviewed Woods where Woods talked about you know he created this big proposal and he was trying to get the job of oh that was uh, hold on that was um, Dave and Jeff yeah, 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 yeah. He went into the details of it, and, like, it totally made sense, and it, it's actually exactly what I wrote in March or February or whatever, way before then. Like, that's the obvious thing that they should do. You know, and then they bring on Rich Herrera, who, you know, I've tweeted about and written about, and I don't think there's positive response about him. So, like, what do you do? Do they just ride it out, or do they fix it? Is it fixable at this point? Is the only thing that'll fix it the team being good in 2020? Is Rich Herrera still going to be here in 2020? <laughs> I don't know. I don't are know the what Padres, contracts Are the Padres still going to be on 94.9 in 2020? Is 94 well, they're under contract, right? Is 94.9... Well, kind of. <laughs> is 94.9 still going to be an alternative music station in 2020? That's a good question. Um, you know, there's a lot of people around the country who think that... But is, is sports radio a really great thing to get into right now in San Diego? It's there's, like, there's all okay. these moving pieces. There's a lot of people around the country who believe that AM radio is dead. Sports radio is still a good product, especially if you can have play-by-play properties. The same idea that we talked about with television. Mm -hmm. The only thing people watch live is sports. The only thing people maybe will want to listen to live is sports. So the idea of sports radio is still kind of a good one, uh, but there's a lot of people who think you need to do it on FM. You shouldn't do it on AM. I I have a buddy who's uh, visiting this weekend who works for an FM sports radio station in Dallas. And every time we meet, he goes like, I, I can't believe you guys are still trying to make it work on AM. Uh, AM is, you know, it, there's a lot of people who don't real, who don't know how to get to AM stations in their car. Yeah. That's, it's a big deal. So I don't know what 94.9 is gonna look like in 2020. Uh, my guess is different from how it looks now. Um, but I don't think the Padres care because do they really not? I mean, they're bleeding. They're bleeding attendance. Attendance-wise, they're bleeding. Uh, I have to do assume you, their ratings are low. Do you think if their ratings were better, the attendance would be better? Do you think the ratings no, would be better? No, I think if it's they a general. On? I think it's a general statement of what interest is in the Padres, right? So yeah, and I think that if you, I actually I don't know I don't know the answer to this question. And that that. If you happen to be tuning through the radio and the Padres game comes up, like, you probably, I guess casual fans are just going to switch off it. I mean, that's why 94.9 advertises, hey, Padres game is on. You can tune into our uh, app and get Red well, Hot I'll Chili Peppers this. and Sublime over there. I'll like, tell you this. My my wife and, and me, uh, number one station program for me. Literally, number one was 94.9 and still is for me. Not not 1090? Well, that's a different program. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I have programs yes, and got it, programs. got it. I don't have one of the fancy cars that can do both. <laughs> uh, so her number one FM program station was 94.9, and it was mine too. Um, my number two and her number two was 91X. Uh, she has flat out told me that she has eliminated 94.9, even though it was number one, she's eliminated 94.9 and replaced it with something else because she's grown tired of tuning in, looking for music, and finding the Padres. Right. And... You know, I take that as, uh, you know, that that's probably what the casual 94.9 fan is feeling right now, which is I'm tired of tuning in and hearing the Padres. There's a lot of games. Well, it's not just that. Like, my, my, my wife is as casual as can be. Like, she'll tolerate the Padres and she goes to games with me, but 
she uh, she she took ninety four nine off her uh, off her rotation as well because right. the morning show is terrible. Wow. Uh, she doesn't like Red Hot Chili Peppers and Sublime as much as the program director thinks she does. And uh, yeah, same thing. Like she's not going to listen to the Padres. Like she'll she'll she's not watch a, it on TV. Not a big Twenty One Pilots fan. Apparently, no, no, she's not a Twenty One Pilots fan. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like a. So to, to, I don't know what they're doing. To answer your question of like, is it fixable? Number one, for it to be fixed, someone has to care and someone has to want it to be fixed. I don't know right now that anyone cares. Like the Padres are getting their money, uh, and ninety four nine is, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think ninety four nine thinks the Padres are going to fix them. And so if the if ninety four nine is worried about anything, they're worried about their morning show. They're worried about their music selection. They're yeah. worried about whatever. And I don't think they blame the Padres for their poor ratings. Maybe they should. Maybe they shouldn't. Uh, but uh, I, I think for it to be fixable, someone has to care about fixed skin. I don't know that anyone does right now. Hmm. Um, that being said, uh, I've yet to listen to a pregame show. Oh I've yet God, to, it's awful. I've it's yet so to listen, bad. I've yet to listen to a postgame show. Also bad. Um, but I have heard from other people whose opinions that I respect that it's not the highest quality. And that makes me sad because, I mean, well, yeah. your partner Craig Elston was great at it. Yeah, like, like I, I Craig, Craig will say the same. I went, I would go after Sunday games and meet, just sit there and listen to him and Bob Chandler out there with my kid. My kid was like one at the time, and it was glorious to hear two professionals at work, s- summing everything up, like being interesting, being smart, and then you tune in today and it's, it's god awful. It's really bad. Well, look, they, they brought in a guy from out of town who, as much as I... But I, you would think he's good on the radio, yeah. but he's not good on the radio. Well, I don't know, because I haven't listened, but, uh, you know, I, I tell a lot of people, like, I, you know, I tell people I, sh- I shouldn't be hosting a Padres podcast because I don't watch as many Padres games as probably should be required of someone who hosts a Padres podcast. But at the same time, I have been watching them for 20 years now. So I, I can understand history, and I can understand context, and I pay enough attention to the rest of Major League Baseball that I can put things in context. And you have a guy that, that came in that he might know this year's team, he might know this roster, this ownership group, but he doesn't know the Josh Burns years. He doesn't know the Jed Hoyer years. He doesn't know the Kevin Towers right. years, the the John Moores years, the John Moores Part Two years. He doesn't know the story. He doesn't know the context. And so he doesn't understand it like someone who's been here, um, and I don't know that he ever will. So that no. that's, that that was a frustrating part of of his hire, bringing him from Florida here is that you because have there's no shortage of talent here. Yeah, there are people on the bench here, just on the bench, let alone people that are on the air or or work in the industry. Like there's there's talent here. Yeah. But they're, not, they're not on the radio. Rich Herrera's on the radio. Like he literally hired himself. It's it's true of many radio stations, <laughs> including the ones that I work for. Like it's the the people that they hire are the people that they've heard on the air before. The people that they know to be good. And meanwhile, you know, certain guys aren't getting shots. You know, it's uh, guys like Jordan Carruth. Jordan Carruth deserves a shot. Craig. Craig deserves a shot. Well, Craig has the gulls, so Craig's on a fair amount. But but Craig absolutely deserves a shot to do a regular show. Alex Padilla, I'll, I'll say this about Alex Padilla. I knew Alex as Scott and BR's board op slash producer. 
And last uh, football season, I got asked to co-host a couple of Sunday football NFL shows with Alex Padilla. I had no idea how good Alex was on air. He's fantastic. He's He gets it. There, There's no nerves. He's just 100% entertainment on air. And Alex Padilla absolutely deserves a shot. You're, you're right. There are guys on the you're bench. You're good. I think... I, I'm, I'm not fluffing you. I think you're good on air. I, I, you're I, good. I appreciate you not fluffing me. Uh, <laughs> we but, can fluff later. It's yes, okay. absolutely. I might need that. Uh, but and I appreciate that. But it, it's just there's a lot of Ben Higgins. You know, I know he has his Kogo. Ben's kid, on Kogo. He's a talented guy. Chris Ello, talented. There's people that are from San Diego or that have lived here a long time that, you know, they got bypassed. Well, and, and, I mean, and I think some look, fans look at are the guys, sensitive to that. Look at the people making that decision. Well, you know, the people the people stink. making that decision are not from San Diego. Right. And this is the thing about San Diego. This city is shitty at a lot of things. Yeah. A lot of things. Things we do well include weather, craft beer, Mexican food, yeah. and staying true to our city. And, you know, the, the guys that come in here from out of town, they come in here because of the weather. And, or they come in here because there's a lack of criticism or in the media or whatever. But they they stick around and they bring in other people from out of town. Oh, you'd love to be in San Diego. It's the best. And they don't understand that, look, I'm not a native San Diegan. Are you, did you grow up here? Yes, I grew up here from age three. So there's people that are native San Diegans and there's people that have adopted the town like me because I moved here when I was in my, my teenage years. And I decided, I moved here when I was 13, and by 17, 18 years old, I decided, I'm a San Diegan. I don't fucking care where you I grew up. You went to high school here. I think that's, yeah. that's fine. I, I don't care where I grew up. I don't care where I was when I was six years old. I'm a San Diegan before I'm a, a person from New Jersey. And people like you and people like me understand the city in a way that other people that move in here and try and pretend like they get it, they, they just don't. Right. Even my wife, you know. On a day-to-day basis, I'm kind of educating her on how things are in San Diego. Is this Diego. a bashing your wife podcast? No, now? no, no. I okay. love my wife. But, but, you know, she doesn't understand some things about yeah. the city. Like, it's it's different from other... It's it's fundamentally different from other cities. And that's kind so of the view So is every city. That, so is right, every right. city. Yes, agreed. And that's kind of what you get when you live in another city. You realize that. If you stay here all the time and you go to San Diego State and you just stay here, it's kind of something you don't get. When I went to... When I, when I spent four or five years in Philly... It wasn't until I was there for, for, you know, year four that I actually felt like a Philadelphian mm-hmm. because I understood that, you know, there, there are people that their identity, this city is a part of their identity. And it wasn't for me until year four, year five. And I could literally, I, I own property there and I was like, I'm a Philadelphian and here's why. It's the same thing in every city. Yeah. You can't just show up and be like, I own a part of this culture just because I said so. This is good. Yeah? Where are we at? This is pretty long. Super I'm going to turn the last part, which is actual baseball talk. Oh, Jesus Christ. Into just questions. By the way, uh, I've had... Are you two, parched? I've had two beers and uh, a whole selection of flights. I'm not parched. I'm the opposite of parched. <laughs> I'm... Uh, Saturated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good word. Uh, well, the good. That's why you're... That's why you're... You perfect, have a loose tongue. Perfect time for baseball talk. Yeah. Um... Are you worried? So, obviously, I, I don't know if you read my post last week. I wrote a series of posts because my wife was out of town on, uh, <laughs> on Luis Ro- 
Robert. I actually learned it was Robert, not Robert. Is it really? Someone, uh, one of the big prospect writers actually put a phonetic pronunciation You're of it. It's kidding Luis me. Robert. He's not French. Craig is going to be he's not so French, upset. right? I mean, Robert would be French. Luis Robert. Yeah, Luis Robert. That's stunning. It's hard to say. It is hard to yeah. say. Uh, you know, they didn't sign him, right? And obviously, the Padres didn't sign I think him. The I White turned, Sox signed him. Yes, the, the, the White Sox signed him. Uh, I, and the way I wrote it, I, I wrote it up as an imperative that they. I felt they must sign him. And part of my thinking behind that is that the Padres had this splurge, right, in 2016, 2017. They spent a bunch of money. They used the rules to gain themselves a competitive competitive advantage by signing everyone, basically. And this was the last piece that they had that they could use their competitive advantage. They're already penalized. There's no nothing to lose except dollars. And I felt that this was the time when you press the advantage. After this, you have things like the draft, and you know they're going to have a high draft pick and take Seth Beer or whoever, and that's fine. But that's actually on a level playing ground to the rest of their competitors because you not only have to be good, you have to be better than your competitors, which include the Dodgers, who have a higher-rated farm system and more money than the Padres. So I guess my question for you is, are you worried the talent splurge isn't enough? No. Because after this, you know, they're going to take good draft picks. That's without a doubt, right? They're going to take high draft picks at least. Hunter Green, hopefully, number hopefully, three. Yeah, yeah, and then I mean, Seth Beer next year. Yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing. But is, is that enough? They have they have the number three pick in this draft. They have um, potentially the number one pick in the following year's draft. Um, yes, I believe that's enough. Uh, Luis Robert. Robert. Craig's going to be so sad. So mad. Uh, yeah, he would have been nice. Um, there's no saying that they weren't the top bid in terms of money because it's known that he he took well aj no showed the private uh private workout dominican but yes but he had met with him dozens of times before then i i'm not i don't think the padres blew luis robert as an opportunity uh i i i what do they spend the money on then because there's a lot of money I, I know they already spent the they've money. They've spent but, plenty of but money. But I did a full analysis that showed that it was right to the point of profit. I mean, they weren't losing money. Like, they spent the money up to what their revenue supported. Okay. At, at break-even, which which they say that they're they're trying for, right? To spend the money that they have and put it back into the team. Okay. So, so this year, they'll be immensely profitable. Next year, they're looking at $70 million or so in profit, according to Forbes. So, like, what do, what do they spend it on? There's not free agents. The free agent class sucks this year well they're I capped mean, on international signings and penalized is that is that actual money going into their pockets or is that value built on the team uh no that's this is on an income statement this is their operating profits then i don't know i don't know so th- like that was the thing with Luis robert is uh it was something to spend it on i guess and and, and again and i'm open to possibilities and again the thing is they they may have tried to spend it on him absolutely yeah. they may have submitted the highest bid possible i don't think they did but it's maybe maybe not look the other thing they is, would be the first to say if they I, did. look here's the other thing is you you have to trust your scouting it's entirely possible that they looked at him and said not a superstar right not the guy that other teams think he is that that's entirely but look when the when the Dodgers signed Yasiel Puig, other teams didn't think much of him, mm-hmm. and look at him now. So, 
it's entirely possible that they looked at him and said, not really who we think he is, uh, not really a superstar, and, and we don't need to worry about, you know, busting the budget for him. What they need to do, what they absolutely need to do, is they need to get this draft right, and they need to get the next draft right. Right. As long as they do the next two drafts right, and Cal Quantrill turns out okay, then the Padres are sitting pretty. Okay, next question. It kind of touches on what you said. Dallas McLaughlin wrote a, a Kept Faith post. You talked, you guys talked about it yesterday, about fans booing Jared Weaver. Yes. And one of the things Dallas made the point of is, don't boo Jared Weaver. Like, he... Uh, it's not his fault he took the money. Like, all of us would take the money. If someone right. said $3 million, here you go. Um, no one ever says, like, hey, why why did AJ give him $3 million? Like, it wasn't a surprise to any of us. Like, you and me and pretty much everyone knew Weaver didn't really have it. Yeah. Like, the stats show it. Like, is, is AJ Teflon AJ with fans? Is like, he Teflon yeah. AJ? Like, well, the thing is, when you dare on Padres' Twitter to say – hey, AJ made a mistake, or, like, AJ shouldn't have hidden those medical records. Like, you get you get blasted. Like, there's this, there's this, and there's, I think it's a San Diego mentality where we, we put a shell over our, our own and just deflect anything about it. There is no general manager in this league or any other league that doesn't make mistakes. Sure, yeah, absolutely. There's not one. Yeah. So, did they make a mistake in paying Jared Weaver $3 million? Yes. But why did they pay him $3 million? Because that was the going rate for Jared Weaver at the time. If they, if they offered him $2 million, he either A, would have retired, or B, would have signed with another team for $3 million. So they paid the going rate for a player that they said, he might be better, he might get better, and he didn't. Why are we defensive? Why are we so defensive? I'm not defensive. You're not defensive? No. It's Look, I'm perfectly okay living in a world in which A.J. Preller occasionally makes mistakes. Every GM occasionally makes mistakes. As long as he makes more successes than he does mistakes, we're okay. Okay. Um, I, I think I tend to agree with your general general stance. Good. But Generally speaking? Generally, oh, that's a good plug. That's yeah. nice. That's a radio pro like right that? there, folks. <laughs> uh, I only have one other question. How should management adapt to the team not being a draw? Management meaning whom? Let's say business operations. How should no, they adapt? And this often gets mixed up in that I'm personally fine with baseball ops. Like, AJ's fine. I have no complaints. AJ's fine. Andy's he's fine. fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're generally fine. We all, I have my little, little nits with them. But, right. You know. How does the, how does Eric Gruppner sell people on, how does Wayne Partello sell this team because um, attendance is quite down last year there was only i think two games under twenty thousand people and this year every single weeknight game weekday game has been under twenty thousand people i think you have to be okay with the fact that people aren't going to show up for a couple of years there's I, I not a way to stimulate no demand. no there's not a way to bring people into the ballpark when the product is not good because I, I actually think and you know ron feller talked about beer we're at a brewery here and, yeah. and he made a big point about how more expensive beer it's a ridiculous point. You had my favorite tweet of the week about this. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous point, right? That that, And you go to Goals Games. You, you work with Craig. They have, what, $2 beer nights? They have Thirsty Thursdays or something. I'm going to Lake Elsinore tomorrow. Fries. They've got $2 beers tomorrow. Yeah. According to Ron Fowler, it's just going to be, uh, it's gonna be um, just 
just craziness of people vomiting in the beer bonging in yeah, front of families. Yeah, beer bonging on the concourse and you know playing flip cup over in the barbecue area. It's going to be scaring toddlers. I mean, uh, in, why, in, why didn't that happen? I thought in Ron reality Fowler that said, was that was a, that was a poor answer from Ron Fowler. <laughs> you know why they charge thirteen dollars and fifty cents for beer? It's profitable. It's because they have run the numbers and they've decided that thirteen dollars and fifty cents is as is much what we'll as they, it's it's as much as they can charge without hurting demand. And I, I made quite a bit of fun of, of Ron Fowler, but I'll be the first to say if they lowered beer prices to $10, it wouldn't attract anyone extra. Because no. $10 is still expensive. Yes. They can still go to Bub. This is the joke I always make, that every night is, is beer fest at the in the gas lamp. Like, you just go to Bub's. They've got 30 beers on tap. They you do. You don't need to go to beer fest. Right. And so, like, $10 beers isn't going to stimulate demand in the Padres. Nope. Right? Like, yeah. It's funny, no, I don't, and I don't. I, it, it shows that Ron Fowler's, you know, out of touch and just a total zilch. But aside from that, I don't. I don't you know, think there's a way to build attendance for a bad team. I think that there are things they can do. Like, like I said, I'm who I told Mike D this when he sat with me on Fire Mike D Day. Yeah. I told him, I'm the person you want to market to. I make enough money. I can buy season tickets. I love the Padres. I will be your customer. I like beer. I like food sell to me sell me a product i want to buy and and that would the thing when you buy season tickets is you kind of are a captive audience right like you've yeah. already bought in you need to yeah, use yeah, your yeah. tickets yeah otherwise i go to you know i love padres games but i go to five or six games a year right i got a kid you know someday you know you'll so, have a kid so you're someday, saying you'll you're be in the same situation you're saying like, market to the diehards why not why why push them away because you know they're going to show up either way. But there's a lot of us. I'm not showing up. I used to go to 20 games a year. I used yeah. to go to four. I had a 40 game package. Yeah. I live in Encinitas. The, the theory is that I shouldn't be going to the games, right? Because you're in North County. Yeah. Yeah. But I go to the game. I want to go to the game. I want a way to go to the game. Sell to me. But there's just not a product for that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the other side of it is I think the Padres have just accepted the fact that Attendance is going to be shit. We can't do anything about it. It's going to be shit until we get better. It's just nihilist Arby's over here. (laughs) Over and over. That's what we're living. One of my favorite Twitter accounts. (laughs) Well, John, I ran way over. You probably expected less than an hour and a half here. That's fine. It's a mega episode. This is like like the super groups in the 80s. We've brought together the suit. I should have invited RJ's fro. He works right next door to you, right? We're cream. Yeah. (laughs) We are cream. Yes. I should have brought Rick over, RJ's fro. I know. We really could have had him. I saw him in the parking lot today. You blew it. Yeah. Blew it. Totally. But thank you very much for coming on the Intelligent Podcast. Would you say it was a pleasurable experience? Absolutely. Anytime you want me back, I'm back. Especially without Marver. Yes, right? absolutely. That's right. Yeah. Well, thanks again. Uh, so, for another Gwintelligent podcast episode, go Padres. <laughs>